You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here in the studio with Jeff and Ken. Ken, how are you feeling today? Pretty good. Caffeinated. Drinking my coffee here. Good. I have some coffee as well. It's hot. Uh, I've added some uh, alkaline uh, minerals and whatnot to take the acid away. It seems to be working. Alcohol. Neil is an old, old man. I, I'm getting older by the day, I guess, officially, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, scientifically as well. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I don't have my coffee. I just have a bubbly. I've had enough caffeine for the day, so. Oh, good. Well, uh, we don't know what, what Matt is drinking, but uh, he's taking a tour of the Guinness factory in Ireland. Uh, unfortunately, it's closed, so he's just going to be standing in the rain, but uh, good luck to him on staying dry. Uh, but we do have a great uh, guest here with us today. She's coming to us from California. She's an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, and that is Amanda Zarr. How are you, Amanda? Hello. I'm so good. I'm really excited to be here, even though I've already messed up and called one of you by the wrong name i realize oh it happens all the time you can call me <laughs> we Bert. didn't even notice she called me burt reynolds for some reason i don't even have a mustache but I, yeah it's because you're nude yeah right exactly i'm i'm laying <laughs> i'm laying horizontally on the table as we podcast uh tell us a little bit about yourself amanda um i'm a professor out here in southern california i'm a huge trivia like geek out person i've been lucky enough to be on an amazing trivia team for about four or five years now i um, I think if you basically needed to understand anything about me as I was dating somebody who introduced, introduced me to like pub trivia and let's just say like the team lasted, but the relationship didn't. Okay. <laughs> so it's like date night, but if Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman didn't get together. Nobody's seen date night. <laughs> I would love to be compared to Rachel McAdams in any way. So I'll take it. Well, she does not have, uh, as cool brooches as you do on today, but you, and what is that brooch? Yes. I have this uh, brooch, my good luck brooch, which is a cat that is um, decorated as Ziggy Stardust. Oh, I love it. Uh, well, I think yeah. you're partnering with Jeff today because you said your specialty is sort of pop culture and things of that nature. And Jeff can fill in the science. So you two will be a team today. And uh, Jeff, what do you what do you think about a team name? Well, in honor of Amanda's lovely brooch, we have gone with a David Bowie inspired Kitty Stardust. Perfect. All right. So that leaves a team of me and Neil, and uh, we'll do David Bowie as well. And in honor of the Goblin King, uh, since we're both drinking our coffees, we'll be the Goblet King. 
I like it. Uh, well, if, if we're going to be playing a game, we need uh, a very good host, and we do have one today, and that is a Dutch enthusiast on Patreon. So we're expecting him to speak Dutch, but it's not required. Uh, and he's coming to us from Moundville, Alabama, and that is Will Nevin. Thanks for joining us, Will. Hey, guys. I, I want to start off first by saying, Bert, it is such an honor <laughs> to meet you. Resurrected. My favorite movie is Smokey and the Bandit, and this is this is so lovely today. Thank you for having me. Well, you're 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 very welcome. Thank you for for being here, and uh, uh, you can rub my chest here anytime you want. Yes. Ooh. And I'm gonna braid the hell out of your hair. <laughs> this is getting weird, <laughs> but I like it. I like it too. It's like triviality after dark, but in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, but, tell us. Uh, it's uh, it is great to have another academic on the show. I um, I teach journalism at the uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, so it's uh, it's nice to be on with uh, someone who can commiserate uh, in our shared pain. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> Indeed. We're, we're glad you can uh, you can put a spotlight on uh, on teaching. And uh, what about you? What else? Uh, what else do you have in store for us today? Oh, a lot of nonsense. Um, I, when we talked earlier uh, off show about geography. None of that here. Uh, not having any of it. Um, but uh, I think it'll be fun. At least I hope it'll be fun. All right. Well, uh, let's throw it to the rules guy and uh, see what the rules are. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise at the top. Oh, yeah. I guess they're still the same. Yep. Yeah. It's been uh, <laughs> four years. Wow. Nearly, rules. nearly there was 200 kind of, episodes. I mean, and... there, was, there was extra depth there today that I wasn't expecting, actually. I think you're right. I think the vocal timber had a, a definite presence. Yeah. Very complicated game today. It is very complicated with a little bit of uh, seriousness, as our slogan goes, right? Is that exactly how it is? A yes. little bit of seriousness. And, and, a, and a little bit of complication. Yeah. <laughs> a smidge of knowledge. Exactly. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you take the keys and drive, and uh, we are ready to play. All right. We will start the first round that I have given such a lovely name, the Robert Stack Invitational. These are questions not all about Robert Stack, but a little bit of Stack in each one of them. First question, round number one. Robert Stack was a television host, film star, and sportsman who enjoyed water polo and skeet shooting, who had a nearly seven-decade career in Hollywood. But in what 1998 film could you have seen him alongside Yasmeen Bleeth and Dale Earnhardt? Um, I do not know who Robert Stack is. He's, uh, <laughs> you he's, do know who he is. You yeah. just don't Host remember. of, uh, unsolved mysteries with, uh, you know, in the, in the alley. I would often see him in an alley that was foggy. Okay. Well, what about that one? About the what? really bad one? Yeah. I think it's 2000s, but let's just go with it. Okay. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. We're going to lock in. Well, I think it might be too late, but I think, I mean, just considering that these people seem like they wouldn't normally be in films. I know he, I'm pretty sure he was an airplane. Okay. Um, but I don't know if 98 is too late for that film. I, that's better than anything I'm going to come up with. Cause let's go with that. I think, I mean, cause they just make fun of so many things. It would make sense that maybe out of nowhere you have Yasmin Bleeth and Dale Earnhardt there. Okay. Well, we will lock in with airplane. Hey, uh, so I know, uh, this is an IndyCar movie instead of NASCAR, but, uh, 
Yeah, uh, we we went with uh, Sylvester Stallone's Driven. That was a bad impression, but <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, so Yasmin Bleeth was the female lead. Stack and Earnhardt both had cameos. This is the um, much maligned, but actually kind of funny, um, Basketball with mm. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, written by David Zucker, who uh, wrote Airplane as well. I kind of remember uh, them, but not, not really. Also not great. Driven. Yes. Yeah, we, we watched Rush and Driven, and Rush, it made Rush look like a masterpiece. Yeah. And yeah. Rush is a decent movie. <laughs> it is a decent movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Stack was most famous, of course, for Unsolved Mysteries, a docudrama program that has now aired almost 600 episodes on five different networks. What was the name of William Shatner's sort of competing and definitely less successful show? T.J. Hooker. <laughs> Excuse you, that's Officer T.J. Hooker. I know, I know it, but I I can't think of the I, other than my Midwestern. I can't I can't think of it. <laughs> um, what was the one with the other guy from Star Trek? With oh, the beard? oh, with uh, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. No. Factor fiction. <laughs> Factor fiction. Yeah. You ever spent a night in a cemetery? <laughs> you ever ridden your bike in a hailstorm? Yeah, yeah we're, we'll save mystery files for lack of a good answer. So, I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of William Shatner docuseries, I think of Rescue 911, but I know that's not it. Um, I am a huge, like, I'm one of those very stereotypical women that loves true crime. And I've binged most of these. So I believe this was called The Unexplained, Ooh. but it was spelled very weird. Okay. We will lock in with The Unexplained or something. I don't know how it's spelled. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk this up to my bad drafting. Um, I was looking for Rescue 911, sort of, sort of competing. <gasps> Um, I, I'd give points for that. You said Rescue 911. That's good enough oh, for me. Oh, no. Jeff, I misled you totally. I'm so sorry. What yeah. am I thinking of? It's the start of the game. We're all new friends now. Let's just give them the 10 points. That's fair. Oh, yeah. I already took it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Now we're not friends. I'm sorry, Jeff. I will. I oh, will you're fine. Don't worry about it. I will astray again. Oh, no. Not, if, if all of these are TV film Robert Stack questions, I'm going to have to keep leaning on you. Sorry. Question number three. Stack provided the voice of ATF agent Fleming for the 1996 film Beavis and Butthead Do America. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms had a rough stretch in the early 90s with the deadly siege of the Branch Davidian Complex in Waco, Texas in 1993. And this incident, only six, month, six months earlier, a similar but smaller raid gone wrong in Naples, Idaho, and given what alliterative name? I'm sure the listeners are like, you idiots. <laughs> As usual. Idiots. As usual, yeah. Look, Thankfully, we don't hear that, because that would be really hard to play trivia with people in their cars screaming at us. You're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. <laughs> On top of the voices already in our heads. Yeah. It's this! It's this! You're terrible, Ken. <laughs> Get some help, Ken. I, I don't know. I... You're a failure, Ken. <laughs> you're underemployed, Ken. Well, we you're could, single, we're, Ken. We're all a little underemployed. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I know when I hear it, I'll know. Oh, it. that's not the voice in my head. That's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen. It's fine. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. We're, we're locked in. I just had it hit me. I was like, ah. oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'll let no, you no, talk you're this good. Time what, because what I did let you, you get? stay on the last question. No, no. What do you have? So I just watched that Netflix series on Waco. 
um, and they talked about this because it was the problem they had, which was um, at Ruby Ridge. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really are the true crime buff. Uh, so far, I so just, far, this is right in your so wheelhouse. Much. Wow, Ruby Ridge. It makes me think of there's a wrestler named Ruby Riot. Um, but I don't think that's where she got her name from. Um, I know this is incorrect, but we just said Heaven's Gate, which is not alliterative at all. <laughs> and was in California, I think. Yes, of course, the answer is Ruby Ridge. Well, it's obvious Ken and I didn't have the uh, correct true crime knowledge for that question, but Amanda uh, knocked out of the park. So, Will, what do you have for question four? Question four. Stack along with Orson Welles, Kirk Douglas, Glenn Ford, and Anthony Perkins, starred in this 1966 film with a three-word title that tells the story of allies liberating Nazi-held territory in World War II. If you rearrange two words of the title, you get a classic documentary about the New York City drag scene of the 1980s. Neil, any ideas here? Yes. So A lot of big names there. I don't know any World War II. Well, I know... Um... Orson Welles and Anthony Perkins were in a movie called The Trial, which I believe was based on Kafka's The Trial. Very Kafkaesque, yeah. Um, and I know they're in a movie together. And I'm trying to think of a movie that has Orson Welles and Kirk Douglas together. Not Passive Glory. That's World War One, and also just Kirk Douglas. I think they're in a movie called Is Paris Burning? But I can't think of a movie about drag that would be rearranged Is Paris Burning into... Burning Paris? No. Paris is burning. Oh, Paris is burning. That does kind of make sense. All right, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, so the the drag movie is Paris is burning. And I think the only way to rearrange these to make it make any sense would be, is Paris burning? <laughs> <laughs> so that would be, I guess, I mean, because we can't make it like burning Paris is. Unless, unless Yoda, it's like a Yoda, yeah. like Frank yeah. Oz is in it. So yeah, I what think do you that, think? I think the Star Wars came out a little bit after that, so... No, I'm good with uh, with that that answer. Is Paris burning and uh, Paris is burning? Yeah, I've never heard of it, but that would just be my best guess. Is Paris burning? Points all around. Is Paris burning? Right now, I'm right now I'm pointing at Neil like he just passed me a sweet uh, sweet cross ice one timer. You know what? You know what? The only reason I got it is uh, I've said this before, but a lot of my movie knowledge comes from walking around Blockbuster for hours every weekend. And uh, now that I can't do that, I kind of scroll through like Criterion websites and other things and just look at old movie posters. And I just remember seeing the poster. So just imagine Neil sitting in a dark room just with the glow of the monitor. (laughs) I'm like uh, uh, Howard Hughes in his underpants. It looks like every hacker in every movie. Yeah. Basically, if you've seen The Aviator, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio when he's in the theater chair with jars around him. (laughs) Oh, God. And those fingernails. Yes. (laughs) That's how I'm going to go out. (laughs) (laughs) Question number five. Your true crime question. Stack's first major success in television came with his portrayal of Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, a series that ran from 1959 to 1963 and garnered Stack an Emmy. Ness himself, however, didn't see much career success after fighting the mob in Chicago. What string of grisly murders in a Midwest city did Ness famously leave an unsolved mystery? (laughs) Do you do this professionally, Will? Your your questions are great. Oh, thank you. They are so fun. I am good to go with whatever you want. Oh, we are locked in then. Apologies. We are locked in. 
Uh, I have no idea. I, I think of, like you said, Elliot Ness with uh, Capone. And if this was after Capone, that would have been... 30s, 40s. 30s, 40s. The when lit- I think of that era, all I could think of is the Black Dahlia, but that's not Midwest. No, it's not, right? Um, I can't think of anything that's Midwest in that era. I can't either. I mean, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, that is Capone. That, that wouldn't be it. Uh, it's no, not, this is it's not a series murders. of murders. I have no idea. Let's, let's just say Black Dahlia. Yeah, unless you don't think he would have done Gacy, right? That's way too way early. too late, right? Um, okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll go Black Dahlia. I just I, I have to say I was so scared coming on the show that I was like I'm gonna have this episode where I'm not gonna know anything I'm gonna look like an idiot and now it's like showing off my murder knowledge maybe also isn't the best thing, <laughs> um, but I believe Cleveland in Cleveland Ohio one of the biggest unsolved string of murders there were known as like the torso murders. Like they just kept finding torsos of people um, because they didn't want, or the killer didn't want it identified. So they would like cut off the hands and the head and it was grisly. Um, I know it's unsolved. Ohio would be the right region, but I didn't realize that Elliot Ness at all was involved in that, which kind of blows my mind. Um, I don't know why he would go to Ohio. So I don't know. That's just something that comes to mind, but I don't know. I like the torso murders. I mean, not personally, but as an answer. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad we're doing this remotely now that you've said that. (laughs) Will? You struck oil, lady. You had to stop digging. It was the Cleveland torso murders. Wow. Yay. I mean, I don't want to cheer that again, but yes. Uh, Now, look. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I just read the Wikipedia article. Uh, but it's interesting that you fellas suggested the Black Dahlia. Apparently, there's some fringe theory that suggests that uh, the the two were connected. It's yeah. probably a bunch of hokum. Um, but yes, so, so uh, we fringe, from, we got a fringe uh, Chicago correct answer. To, uh, Cle- uh, to Cleveland to be the uh, commissioner of public safety. And um, he didn't figure it out. <laughs> and then um, basically, it was like a, a downward spiral uh, for the rest of Ness's career, and he died like broke and penniless, um, just before the. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry because like he couldn't figure that one out. Like they were like, "Who the heck do you think you are?" Uh, yeah, I think that's what the uh, that's what the deal was. Um, and last I heard, there was going to be some dramatization of the torso murders, but I don't know where that is in development. Wow! And when he goes to the gym, Jeff murders his torso. <laughs> <laughs> And just because I want to stick by my guns of what I said earlier, instead of saying Black Dahlia, I'd love to say her name, which was Elizabeth Short. Thank you. Thank to you. remember her specifically. After five questions, uh, Team uh, the Goblet King, uh, only 10 points, unfortunately. And uh, starting off very strong, uh, Team Kitty Stardust with 40 points. Looks mm. like we found ourselves in a labyrinth of questions. I agree. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Usually my co-hosts are the ones that shut me up, but <laughs> I appreciate you found a worthy adversary. Yeah, that's right. Question number six. Stack's first on-screen appearance came in 1934 with Bright Eyes, a film starring Shirley Temple in which scene was a in which Stack was a scene stealer as Man on Plane. What politically <laughs> appointed office did Temple hold after her acting career? And for 10 bonus points each, what are the important details of her two distinct tenures in that office? Okay, we think we're in the right ballpark here, trying to lock in, but um, it's a little vague. But I think we're good. All right, Amanda, what do you know about uh, Shirley Temple's political career? 
Well, I know that uh, she became a U.S. ambassador. Um, Shirley Temple Black was a U.S. ambassador, and I only know this. I'm having a <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a some dog millionaire moment. I would never know the answer to a question like this, except that I went and did a Shakespeare production in the Czech Republic, and they have a statue of her there, and. I just happen to know this. I am kind of embarrassed that I'm like, oh, how do I know this? Um, so I know that she was an ambassador to the Czech Republic, but I mean, I don't know if she had anything to do with the gaining of their independence, like there was, um, or something like that for the bonus. I'm not 100% sure. Like, the, does the bonus mean like she helped something happen for the Czech Republic or? Yeah, I, I, I do know. Yeah, I just happen to know this because it's one of the few places in Europe that I've gone to, but I don't know about the bonus. No, my you dad was the always... bonus. I'm just looking for the where. Oh. Oh. Okay. So we're, we'll lock in. She was in a U.S. ambassador to Czechoslovakia. Okay. And uh, we said she was a U.S. ambassador. Um, I thought it was Czech, Czechoslovakia, but I didn't want to corner myself and get it wrong. But uh, we just put ambassador. That's what we locked in with. Ambassador is the correct answer. Um, and then for bonus points, um, from 1974 to 1976, she was U.S. ambassador to Ghana. And from 89 to 92, Czechoslovakia. Okay. So we get we get regular points, and these guys get 20 points. Yeah. Continuing the slaughter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> great, great poll, Amanda. One uh, of the, oh, thanks. One of the cool things about um, uh, Prague is in Czechoslovakia, right? Prague. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Prague at night is lit up in the most beautiful way because when um, when you two went on tour through there, they loved the city so much that they pay for the lighting in the town and their lighting designer of their shows lit Prague. Wow, that's awesome. So they, they get the bill every year so that it helps promote tourism there. I did not know that, but I did have the opportunity to go to Prague uh, about two years ago. Did not know a lot about it going in and... That city is so cool. I The best thing about it is, for me at least, is the river running through it and all the different bridges mm -hmm. means you can never get Charles lost in bridge, that city. Yeah. Always go towards the river. You see which bridge, bridge you're by, and you're like, oh, I know where I am. Yeah. And I learned one word in Czech, which was pivo, which means beer. Nice. Hmm. And if you're John Voigt and you want to fake your death, go to the Charles Bridge. There you go. Done. That's yeah. uh, Mission Impossible 1. It is. Yeah, movie and, uh, great film industry there, Deep too. Deep cuts. Deep yeah. cuts. Question number seven. Stack was actually the third host of Unsolved Mysteries behind Perry Mason himself, Raymond Burr, and this legendary character actor who appeared in Patton, On the Waterfront, and Streetcar Named Desire, a role that won him the 1951 Best Supporting Actor Oscar. All right. We know this uh, actor, and we are locked in. All right. Um, this is one of those times where I, I would like say things to my team, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's his name. Um, I can see him so clearly. He has this like bulbous nose. I'm trying to remember. I know uh, Patton is George C. Scott. Yes. Um, um, Marlon Brando plays Mitch. He plays front. Mitch in Streetcar Named Desire, and he plays the priest or the like reverend in On the Waterfront. Oh. Um, um, and I always think that his name. Okay, do you know the name of the person who would? I know his name sounds like this guy's name. He's a film critic, and he at the end of every year, oh, he would write like oh, a collection. Okay, I got it. You're thinking of Leonard Malton, and the guy's yes. Carl Malden. Yes, that's it. Yes. We we may have fallen for a misdirection here, because we said George C. Scott. 
The answer is the man with the bulbous nose, Carl Malden. Wow, Yay! Good job, Jeff. They're, they're well beating done, us nice. in every aspect right now, Neil. I, I should I shouldn't have done this podcast nude because I can't. <laughs> You can't, you can't pull cover your, your shame. All secrets have been revealed. All those answers are usually written up your sleeve. My Val Kilmer, uh, Doc Holiday, you know, ace is coming out of my wrists. They're not working. All the I'm answers nude. written on it. Yeah. But that chest I'll hair is hair. luxurious. I know. Well, I know Amanda is going to be braiding my hair, so at least that's something to look forward to. So at least I'll look nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to braid the hell out of your hair. Yeah, I'm just quoting Thirty Rock. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. Question eight. Stack took classes at both the University of Southern California and Bridgewater State University, a small public institution near Boston, but doesn't seem to have graduated from either. Hmm. This Bridgewater graduate, originally from Massachusetts himself, played both football and basketball for the school before graduating in 2010 with a criminal justice degree. He then parlayed that into a wrestling career in which he performed under something close to his own name for years on the independent circuit and WWE's NXT, only to be buried 10,000 feet under the earth on WWE Raw with his group Retribution. Oh. Neil started writing right away, so I think he knows it. (laughs) No, I'm I'm having trouble. Um... (laughs) I can't wait till Amanda pulls this one out. I was, I've never been more <laughs> confused by <laughs> anything in my life. My partner is the biggest wrestling fan, and they're going to kill me. Uh, no, not Sirius Black. That's Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> it's something black, I think. I Sirius Black. Um, Cyrus Black, or am I thinking of the right, right guy? Well, don't, I don't, dude, who are you talking to? I know. I'm sorry. I haven't watched. I haven't been watching wrestling since there haven't been have been any crowds because it it started off kind of it's really weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. And now they have. Um, no, it's just sad. Now they have Zoom. You know, Zoom fans or whatever, which helps a little bit. But um, okay, uh, we'll, we'll lock in. I I I mean, every part of this question is a black hole for me. Sports ball, wrestling, got nothing, Jeff. Well, I don't. I don't think it's the Undertaker, but I mean, an Undertaker would be responsible for burying people. So. But it might have been ironic. They were like, let's bury The Undertaker as a joke. Well, we can guess The Undertaker if you want. That's the closest I sure. think we're going to get. Sounds good to me. Perfect. I could be way off. I Like I said, I haven't watched it in a while, especially NXT. I don't even know if this is the right guy, but I do remember his full name. I, I think it's Alistair Black is the is the character's name, and I could be way off, but that's our guess. So Alistair Black is a wrestler, hmm. as is The Undertaker. Uh, the fellow I'm looking for, though, is Chris Dijak or Dominic Dijakovic or T-Bar in Retribution. Definitely wouldn't have gotten that, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> right, that's all right. Well, uh, speaking of wrestling, though, right now Ken and I are, are jobbers, which is a wrestler who just gets beat up so the other guy looks better. So that's what we are right now in this game, that's for yep, sure. Yep. I, ho- I, hope the, uh, <laughs> I hope the category for the second round is Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. <laughs> Do you both do you both still have your Venmo accounts? I'll just make sure to get that to you before the game's over. <laughs> Question nine. One of Stack's final credits, other than Unsolved Mysteries, came in 2001 and was a guest starring voice role for this, a long-running Fox television animated series. All right, we're locked in. When I think of long-running Fox animated series, long-running at that point, Simpsons? That's really I the mean, first one that comes to, to mind. I mean, right? Yeah. Either that or I think Family Guy was really only starting then. Futurama started in 2000. Yeah, I keep coming back to the Simpsons. Yeah, it's only 21 years. 
I thought Simpsons would would be a good guess, but to me, I feel like Seth MacFarlane is probably a huge Robert Stack fan, and it makes more sense for him to come in one time on Family Guy and probably do like a Unsolved Mysteries uh, parody. So we want Family Guy. If there was a clue, it was earlier in the round with the reference to Beavis and Butthead, a Mike Judge property. <sighs> mm-hmm. This oh, is one of the King other of the long-running Hill. Fox animated series, King of the Hill. No way. Nice. I always forget King of the Hill. Man. Yeah, because Everybody I only think does. Of, I only think of Mike Judge's recent stuff. All right. Final question, round number one. Stack's greatest critical critical success in film came in 1956 with an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Written on the Wind. Seven actors are tied for the record for nominations for... In the category, name up to five of them for two points each. Or, if you don't want to do that, name the actor with the most wins three in the category for 30 points. I'm pretty sure I know these. Uh, we're going to lock in. Oh, wow. Okay. I think, Jeff, if you trust me, I, do. I think I have, I, at, at least point, I have four. I, have I don't no think I can get to. five. I'm sure there's somebody really obvious I'm missing. I will uh, I'll leave uh, it to Amanda. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Okay, so the ones that I think for sure I know are Claude Rains is somebody I just always remember him as a trivia answer for this specifically. Jack Nicholson, I'm pretty sure. Al Pacino, I'm pretty sure. Jeff Bridges, I can definitely remember too, but it, I'm sure he has another one. So those are the only four that I'm sure of, and I know there's somebody I'm missing, obviously. And I think... Maybe as a good guess for the person who's been nominated three times and won three times at least, maybe Michael Caine. And mostly I'm saying it because I'd like to hear an impression. <laughs> maybe you'd like to give our answers in the Michael Caine voice. Perhaps I'll blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I we locked in right away only because... Um, I love studying Oscar history. I, I, I just went, we're the ones that I know. I didn't want to give any wrong ones, but I, I'm positive Pacino and Robert Duvall. Uh, Nichols, oh! Nicholson, I'm almost 100% on because I believe he's the most nominated actor of all time and playing the numbers. I'm pretty sure he had a ton in the supporting category. So we went Nicholson as well. I think all of Amanda's are actually right too. I didn't even think of Claude Rains or Jeff Bridges. Um, and then the person who won three... I only know this if I hope I'm right uh, from writing a question for a game I was going to use in the future, but I'm going to cut it now. I believe it's last name Brennan, and I can't remember if it's Walter Brennan, but I know the last name's Brennan, so that's what we went with for that. All right, so oh. I got one team getting eight points, and I got another team getting 30 points. Points Whoa. for Walter Brennan, who won Walter three Brennan. out of the first Great five. Pull. Wow. Great poll. Wow. Very good. Robert Duvall. That Great. one's going to haunt me for a while. Very Dang helpful. It. Due to yeah. our deficit. Walter Brennan. I'm doing whatever I can to remember this name. So <laughs> uh, so the complete list is Walter Brennan, Jeff Bridges, Robert Duvall, Arthur Kennedy, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, and Claude Rains. Right. Okay. Wow, Michael Caine isn't even up there. Why did I think that? Because he wanted to hear the impression. I did. After the first round, it looks like uh, Team the Goblet King made up a few points on that last question, luckily. So we have 50 points, but still wow. still kicking our butts uh, with 78 points is Team Kitty Stardust. Uh, so what do you have in store for us, Will, for the swing round? Well, if you liked that first round, uh, the swing round is getting really, really dumb. Um, so Woo, uh, good. A guy I enjoy on Twitter, his name is uh, Aaron Reynolds, my my favorite Canadian. And he runs a couple of different Twitter accounts. He runs a 
Effin Birds, which uh, which I'm I'm wearing their merch here. Uh, it's uh, these lovely uh, ornithological um, illustrations of birds, uh, complete with uh, swears. Um, he also runs <laughs> Bat Labels, which is um, a ca- uh, screenshots from the classic Batman '66 um, series with all of their little label gags. And then he also runs Swear Trek. And Swear Truck is a, a Swear Trek is a delightful account that is just Star Trek gifts with swears. And one of my favorite gags that he does um, is is a joke where uh, Scott Bakula from Star Trek Enterprise is is just there and he's and he's on the the little gif and it just says Bakula time. So the swing <laughs> round today is Bakula time. I am going to give you an episode title from one of three different Scott Bakula series. Um, Quantum Leap, Star Trek Enterprise, or NCIS New Orleans. I give you the episode title, you give me the series. So again, it's really dumb. Okay. We're really dumb (sighs) people, so that should work out well. Yeah, anytime we can mention Quantum Leap, I'm, I'm happy, so. One, it's a wonderful leap. (laughs) Two, catch a falling star. Three, hurricane. Four, second line. Five, a single drop of rain. Six, hell on the high water. Seven, mirror, mirror. Eight, in a mirror darkly. Nine, Mirror image, <laughs> ten, fortunate son, S O N. Okay, we will consider these, and we'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, all the answers are locked in from the swing round. So let's go back to the Peabody of trivia podcasting with all these great questions. And that would be journalism teacher, Will. What do you have for us? Ooh, nice. Um, I I did want to say one little thing before we get to the answers. Uh, So I think we all have at least some understanding of Quantum Leap, Sam Beckett, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, Captain Jonathan Archer. I had to go look up exactly... Um, Bacula's role on NCIS New Orleans. And this is what I found on a, on a fan wiki. He is Dwayne King Cassius Pride. And this is, this is an exact quote. Quote, he is the smart one and he is the quiet old man. Um, so that's what he does on NCIS New Orleans, if you were curious. Okay. Kind of sounds like what I'm looking for in a partner. So. <laughs> 
Question one. It's a wonderful leap. Cool. Um, so we just ho hoped that Will was uh, giving us one here and went with Quantum Leap. Yeah, we started, honestly, spoiler alert, we said the first three were the gimmies, so we went with Quantum Leap. Captain Jonathan Archer is on an important mission for... No. Uh, Sam is a New York City taxi cab driver named Max Greenman, who's trying to earn enough money to get his father his own medallion. Quantum Leap. All right. Number two, catch a falling star. Um, well... We didn't think that this was necessarily Star Trek as the obvious one, um, but we thought maybe there was a, an old star in New Orleans who committed a crime, so we said it was mm. NCIS. That would be clever. Uh, we went with Enterprise. Sam leaps just seconds before curtain time into Ray Hutton, the understudy to an alcoholic actor in the role of Don Quixote on an off-Broadway production of Man of La Mancha, Quantum mm. Leap. Ooh. Neil nice. failed me as my Sancho that time. <laughs> I um I might have to watch Quantum Leap after this. <laughs> it's so good. It's like impossible to dream about anything better. There's a great one, uh, not to talk too much about it, but where I believe he's like on a farm or is like a cow hand. They have like this really slow motion shot of him like with his shirt off and he's got like gloves on and he's like riding a horse. The show sounds insane. It's it's very 80s, but it's it's really fun, yeah. <laughs> Number three, Hurricane. Well, we just hoped this was, uh, you know, since the title's so uncreative, we went with the show that maybe the writers were tired. So we went with uh, NCIS. We too said NCIS. As the deputy sheriff, Sam must prevent a murder as Hurricane Camille hits the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Quantum Leap again. Are these all Quantum okay. Leap? Okay. Are these all going to be Quantum Leap episodes? <laughs> oh, man. That would be amazing. That would, that would be also amazing. fulfill the criterion that was set up by Will in the beginning when he said this swing round was really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Second line. Uh, we said NCIS again. Well, if, if the trend is to be continued, we said Quantum Leap. The NCIS team investigates the murder of a Navy lieutenant during a French Quarter second line funeral procession, a New Orleans tradition that celebrates the recently deceased with a musical street parade. Well, thank NCIS goodness for that. New Orleans. Second line, that's right. Treme talks about that a lot. Dang, should have thought of that. It's also on my list. All right. Number five, a single um, drop of rain. Yeah, we went with Enterprise on this one. It sounded like a, a very eloquent title. Yeah, that's the same thing that we thought was uh, the titles were a little more thoughtful for Trek, so we said Enterprise. Sam leaps into Dr. No. William Billy Beaumont, returning to his hometown where everyone suffers from drought. Everyone expects him to make rain, but really Sam is there to keep William's brother and his wife together. Quantum. <laughs> this might be my favorite story. I hate this. <laughs> he just says, uh. Sam! <laughs> No! Oh my god, how funny. Number six, hell on the high water. Uh, we thought Sam jumps into a pirate body or something, so we said leap. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, we figured, uh, you know, places where they uh, wouldn't be worried about high water or places with levees, so we said NCIS. Pride's team works around the clock to save Pride from an oil rig as he tries to capture suspected murderers that work on the rig from a major explosion. NCIS All New right. Orleans. Oh, finally. Number seven, Mirror, Mirror. All right, so here we had some sort of guesses because um, I'm aware of uh, 
very, very offensive but well-circulated uh, GIF online from Quantum Leap uh, that features a mirror. So we figured one of these was Leap, but we went with uh, Enterprise for this one. Um, and we, we, again, with our logic, thinking about the titles that maybe are stretching it a little bit or are a little bit more commonplace, we decided NCIS. After Rita Devereaux tells Pry that Douglas Hamilton is about to make a deal to get out of prison, Pride and the team rehash the Clearwater case in hopes of locating his mystery partner and spoiling his bargaining chip. NCIS New Orleans. Number eight, In a Mirror Darkly. Uh, for this one, we said NCIS. Uh, we thought this one had a nice Enterprise ring to it, so we said Star Trek. In the Mirror Universe, Commander Archer mutinies against Captain Forrest in order to save a future Earth ship found in Tholian space. Star Trek Enterprise. Nice. One of the but few kinda, Enterprise episodes I'll swear to. <laughs> I kind of feel like at the end of every answer, Will should just go, and Sam leaps into that <laughs> You know what? We, we could actually use Sam to leap into our bodies because yeah, we're right losing now. so miserably. I wouldn't mind if Sam finished this round for me. <laughs> Number nine, mirror image. Uh, we thought maybe this is a just, I, I think game theory kind of came up for us this one. And so we said uh, quantum leap, maybe thinking he leaped into like a twin body and had to discover he was a twin or something like that. Yeah, we think this might be the quantum leap gif one. Sam leaps into a bar in Cokeburg, Pennsylvania, a coal mining town, and to Sam's surprise, he leaps at the exact moment of his birth. When he looks into a mirror, he sees his own image looking back. The Quantum Leap series finale. Oh, oh the man. series finale what was a, that. Oh, uh, that makes sense. I, I remember the ending of the show, which I remember left me very disappointed, uh, but but it was poignant. And it all takes place in a snow globe, right? It does. <laughs> the camera zooms out and the snow globe is actually Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. And he's becoming Santa when he shakes the snow globe. Layers on layers on layers. And number 10, Fortunate Son. Uh, it's got a southern ring to it. Even though Creedence Clearwater Revival is not a southern band, uh, we said uh, NCIS. Not think they're from Berkeley, but yeah. we too said NCIS. It sounded like a very southern um, uh, show title. They see, I would have guessed um, Quantum Leap, thinking that, oh, that's that's their Vietnam War episode. The cargo ship Fortunate is damaged by Nausicaan pirates, and Enterprise offers a helping hand only to find the acting captain has secret plans. Star Trek Enterprise. Wow. That well, guys, was not good for us, Jeff. You guys theoried it out a lot better than we did. And their score shows it because they have 103 points going into the second round, uh, while we have 45. How did we lose points? Didn't, <laughs> didn't we have... Oh, I'm sorry. I took the wrong number. How did we lose points? Because <laughs> <laughs> we we're, were terrible. How did we lose points? Uh, so, it was said with such earnestness. My math was wrong there. We actually have uh, 55. Thank goodness for that. Yes. Oh, my math was wrong is the tagline of Triviality Podcast. Uh, yet every... <laughs> Every episode, Will and Amanda have heard probably almost all the episodes, and every episode, I still keep doing the math when I'm the worst at it for some reason. I don't know why. So I feel like I'm going to have to give back that uh, that Peabody Award that Burt Reynolds gave to me with this second round. But you know what? I, I'm proud of it. It made me happy. So welcome to round number two. Drops a Jupiter. More like drops a poopiter. <laughs> 
questions about trains. Oh no. Jupiter and poo. All oh right. my god. <laughs> Can't wait. Question number one. In a demonstration of masterful songwriting, what's at least one word that appears to rhyme with itself in Train's 1998 smash single, Meet Virginia? Ooh, I think, oh. did you say there's only one word or are there multiple words? When I think of this song, how I think of word one it? word where it's like, come on, that was some crappy writing. Okay. Um, but if you look at the lyrics and structurally, I found at least four. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the uh, line? I, I don't. We're reluctant. I um, think I think the problem in this songwriting happens halfway through when they get super lazy. Because um, I think they say, well, she wants to live her life and she thinks about her life. I think the As problem started when they formed the band Train. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that's it's a really deeper problem bad. in the song? It's a much deeper problem. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, yeah, that's right. They I don't do think say it's that. It's that bad a song, but I think it's like it starts kind of strong. It's like the, um, uh, yeah, I think it's life. I think they try yeah. to rhyme life with life later in this song. It's pretty bad. That sounds about right and pretty terrible. So yeah, as a person who attempts to uh, write songs myself, this makes me so furious when I hear lazy songwriting like this or a lyric that literally means nothing. Um, uh, so we also said life points, uh, for life. But the one that sticks out to me is, let's see, um, her brother is a fine mediator for the president. Da -da 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 -da. Sit at home at and home. rip on the president. So I have <laughs> president, queen, life, and unusual, but points all around. Oh, well, very good. Yeah, I thought, I nice. thought I was thinking queen also, but life really sticks out to me. So president rhymes with resident. Life, strife, come on, yeah. people. Like, this is not hard. So, so here's, here's a lyric. Here's a lyric that I can't stand. She was a girl. He was a boy. Could I make it any more obvious? He was a punk. She took ballet. What more can I say? So really, she's, she's exclaiming to herself how much she's explained about these people when really we don't know anything yet. <laughs> She, she used up two her of her lyrics or? to just compliment herself on how descriptive she has been. In the six lines. Now, now, which Avril Lavigne uh, was the better songwriter? The first one or the one we have now? <laughs> Whichever one did Hello Kitty Kawaii. <laughs> that song slaps. Isn't she married to somebody interesting? Uh, that Nickelback guy, I think. She was married oh. to Chad Kroger, and she also was married to the lead singer of Sum 41, I believe, as oh, well. That's brutal. Oh. <laughs> that's a brutal musical uh, marriage. Yeah. Question number two. Jupiter is the largest planet in the solar system, containing approximately two and a half times the mass of all other planets combined. But within 10, how many moons does it have? And keep in mind, many of them aren't much bigger than drops i got i got you amanda oh <laughs> thank god got, we got this <laughs> but that question is brilliant well, well all right i'm gonna i'm gonna show you my astrology now uh, wait not astrology astronomy <laughs> zodiac <laughs> capricorn <laughs> pisces oh no we're zodiac killer full circle let's do this there you go um i guess uh is this the one that has the moon titan uh or is that no uranus? Saturn. saturn saturn okay i'm way off uh jupiter i believe i, I don't know why this number's coming to me but I want to say it's nine. And I don't know why. He said within 10, though. Oh. 
So it's a lot. See, I thought it was low 20s, but since you said within 10, I want to go like low 50s. Low 50s. What, what about 49? Okay. That's okay. fine with me. Okay. Um, Amanda, I want to say that when I was a kid, there was like high 60s, low 70s. Um, so I'm, I want to say- tell me they downgraded some of the I, objects. I, I think they probably found more since then, um, but my guess was 70, so- Sounds good. Perfect. We'll lock in 70. 79. 79. <laughs> Son so of a gun. Some points. Some points. Nice. Well done, Jeff. Thank you. That I, I had to get one of these since you carried the rest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of those moons kill people? Because then I got it. Question number three. Diarrhea is the funniest sort of poo, and it's definitely the hardest to spell. So spell it. Oh, God. For an additional 10 points, what is the British spelling? I can't spell to save my life. You take it. Spell check um, on computers is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> well, in my lifetime. You know, like vaccines and Ooh. like my birth and other stuff that I had nothing to do with. My great, birth was but... the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I, I was so, so, one. I, oh, my God. It's my medicine. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I was an amateur speller. Uh, for one year at least, when I, I think I've mentioned what I does lost. that mean? Does that mean you were in a school spelling bee? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's an amateur spelling. It's like I got paid to spell on a street please corner. Please spell diarrhea. Well, I lost on the word Could you fuselage. Please use it in a sentence. Uh, sure. Um, I have explosive diarrhea. <laughs> for the amount of time I spend on when you're driving in a origin, Chevy please. and you feel something heavy, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sliding toward home and your pants are full of foam. <laughs> uh, sorry, listeners. Um, uh, for the amount of time that I spend on WebMD every day, I think I got the spelling right. So <laughs> we're going to lock in. <laughs> the thing is, that's not a joke. <sighs> Jeff, did you say you're good at spelling? Or I'm you terrible like, at this spelling. Is not your Today's episode sponsored by Chevy. <laughs> oh, I thought it was sponsored by Scripps, who does the spelling bee. <laughs> uh, when you're trying to win the Scripps and you feel something drip. <laughs> That's clever. Uh, I don't like it, but clever. I think it's a double R. Pirate problems. D-I-A-R-R-H-E-A. Okay. I don't know the English, but I mean, I guess we could say the English spelling adds an extra E at the end like they do with other words. I'm pretty sure uh, they're correct. I believe it's D-I-A-R-R-H-E-A. -E uh, no idea on the British spelling, so I just put the H uh, toward the beginning. So we said D-H-I-A-R-R-E-A. -E so points to both teams for the correct spelling of di uh, diarrhea. The English spelling adds an O hmm. for some reason. D-I-A-R-R-H-O-E-A. -E they add the O in diarrhea because that's what you say when you get it. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, bother. Question four. Train's lead singer is Pat Monahan, a 51-year-old rocker originally from Erie, Pennsylvania. His name, however, kind of sounds like this former U.S. senator from New York whose retirement paved the way for Hillary Clinton to represent the state in Congress. Oh, do you know this one? I I know that I know I the guess. I know the history. It's um we could just say 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, we're yeah. locked in. There's the, okay, this is why I need a team again. There's, um, what is the name of the actor on SNL? Um, uh, Bobby Moynihan. Yes, I think it's something, it sounds really close to that. Bobby, what is it again? Moynihan. It's really, it sounds really similar to that. Okay. Um, or it is that. Um, do you want to just guess last name Moynihan? Is yeah, this, can we okay. do that? Yeah, sure well, can. Absolutely. We play by Jeopardy rules. I, that's my best guess. I think that was his name. Moynihan. Okay, that's what we'll Moynihan. go with. All right, we also said Moynihan, but we're guessing. Bingo, bango, points all around. Daniel, Patrick, Pat, Moynihan. Nice. Good job, nice. Jeff. Good teamwork. Thank God. Bobby Moynihan. Drunk uncle. Question number five. Inuresis is the medical term for any involuntary loss of urine. What's the medical term for its smellier counterpart? In your feces? <laughs> that was an insult I heard on the playground all the time. <laughs> okay, we're locked in. Well, all I can think of, and I can't believe I'm reasoning this out <laughs> on, a, on a talk show. Or, so if it's maybe like the, the Latin phrase for like URI kind of urine. talks about yeah. like, you know, urine, but sure. also the urethra, things like that. So I'm like, is rec like rec kind of maybe just what you replace in that word so it would be rec rhesus i don't i don't know what this like word looks in, like in 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 rec rhesus maybe like just kind of trying to sure. sum out the word game i don't yeah, know yeah no I, I would agree with you i was thinking about how we could repl replace the uh in your part of it but ken wrote down uh incontinence which i believe is what this is so that's what we went with but it depends whether the answer is correct or not. Oh, God. I see what you did there. Uh, no, I, you guys were on the right track trying to like break down like the word structure here. And I think this is Greek, I think. Um, and if I was a, a better linguist, I could explain it. But uh, or, And I would know for sure. But the answer here is incopresis. Mm. Incopresis. Usually when it's really hot outside, I'm in copresis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when I'm when I'm thirsty in the '80s, I was looking for in caprices in the sun. No, it wasn't there. Never mind. Nope, I still like it. Forget I said anything. Yeah, that would make sense. Being cop copra. There's there's so much content in this episode. Yeah, there is. It's gonna be hard to edit because I might just <laughs> a do a long one. Funny. Yeah, they deserve. I mean, Shut it's my the, mouth. It's the Peabody. I'll just zip it. It's great. Peabody of podcasting. Honestly, I have a headache today, but for all the right reasons. Because usually I get it because I'm dehydrated, but now it's because I've been laughing. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on medicine, so it's uh, it's good times all around. Uh, after five questions in the second round, uh, we are at my birth year over here at the Goblet King at 85, and uh, Team uh, Kitty Stardust still kicking butt, 143. Question number six. In 2016, Train covered this in its entirety, the second of three consecutive self-titled albums by a legendary rock band that was originally released in 1969. Uh, I think I have this, Amanda. That's the only thing coming to me based on the year. I don't know why they'd have any right to cover this band, but that's fine. Okay. I mean, we know Train Train uh, doesn't know who they are. Okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to lock in. Okay. So my, right, Jeff. my original gut feeling is Led Zeppelin because Zeppelin did Zeppelin 1, 2, 3, and then they had a fourth one, but I think there was a break between 3 and 4. 
So I know they did I only at least... know that because of the amazing uh, film, The Client, when Ooh. in order to take her on, she has to name all the Led Zeppelin albums. She goes, Led Zeppelin's albums were Led Zeppelin 1, 2, 3, and the 4th, which is usually untitled, but most people refer to it as 4. I love that. <laughs> so the fact that Train covered Led Zeppelin makes me sad in my soul. So let's get on with this question as fast as possible. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to go with Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Uh, we concur. Nice, Jeff. Points all around for unmitigated goal, Led Zeppelin 2. Good job. Don't you really need to hear Pat, Ma- uh, Pat Monahan singing Whole Lot of Love, though? Like, don't. <laughs> do I, though? Because, like, I've lived this many years so far somewhat successfully. And, and you don't want to end it now. And I, and I haven't had to listen to it thus far, so. It's like life was so good before I heard Darius Rucker do Wagon Wheel. Like,. Man, I, I remember those times. And they I'm going to stand behind that decision. I Check out, um, don't mind him doing country music. Do a quick Google search after this for should I play wagonwheel.com? <laughs> do you know it? <laughs> it's like, are you are you uh, considering playing Wagon Wheel for uh, open mic and or concert as a cover? Are you old Crow <laughs> Madison show? Yes, play Wagon Wheel. Otherwise, it's don't play Wagon Wheel. <laughs> uh, <sighs> All right, question number seven. Trains that can travel at or above 120 miles per hour are generally considered to be high speed. But within 50 miles per hour, what's the all-time speed record for a train set in 2015 by a Japanese maglev? Um, so we are going to go ahead and lock in. I, I know that, the, that China was trying to build a high-speed rail line and i know their benchmark was like 300 so i'm wow, guessing it's really? like okay yeah, I, and i think the shinkansen travels like 225 250 so i wouldn't be adverse to guessing like 275 300 somewhere in that range so and uh yeah i think that sounds that sounds good to me cool yeah let's do that whatever your instinct tells let's, you uh let's say 275 and we were uh, saying the same thing, except we said <laughs> Nihyaku Nanaju Go, 275. Yeah. Unfortunately, no points. No. The correct answer is 375. Wow. 370, uh, 375. Question number eight. Poo isn't always wasted. What's the historical term for human feces used as fertilizer? a name that comes from either the dirt it was mixed with or the time of day it was generally collected. I thought he was going to talk about how some animals eat their own waste. Mm-hmm. That's called coprophilia. Sadly, I know that. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you're always, you, you, every time poo gets brought up, you're always talking about eating poo or loving poo or, <laughs> or ro- winning the poo, poo. Or rolling around in poo or like a dog. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, I don't. I don't know, Ken. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Let's just go with that. Okay, we're locked in. Yeah. Uh, what do you, I, manure is the one word that came to mind, but I don't. I don't know if that's human. Well, I think you said time of day, correct? Yeah. Yes. And I think I remember this from The Martian, the book, or I guess the movie too. But because he has to use the human waste to make the potatoes, and I believe it's called night soil. Night soil. Yep. I like it. Right. That's I perfect. mean, as soon as you said time of day, that made me remember yep. no, that I think it's. No, you're right. That's yeah. that's correct. That's a perfect answer. What a Because great. I think part of it is that it looks 
much darker than regular fertilizer. And it's a way to tell, like to stay away from it as opposed to the other fertilizer because human waste could be dangerous to humans. Yeah. So I think it's night soil, but I, I think that's what I remember from no, the Martian. That's, yep. You, you hit it right on the head. Clearly Smash Mouth wrote their hit song about Amanda All-Star. That's true. And, and uh, <laughs> night, night Soil, Stop the, uh, guys. the originally uh, titled song from Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. <laughs> Um, oh, you're working on that night soil? Oh, yeah, night soil. Uh, we night we just went cheese. with manure because I, in my head, I was like, time of day. Maybe it used to be called manuner, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, of course, the correct answer is the perfect answer, night soil. Question number nine. In the 12th episode of the fourth season of The Simpsons, Marge Simpson finds herself the only thing between Springfield and a train running through it in Marge versus the monorail. What legendary science fiction actor, who was at least the show's second or maybe third choice, guest starred in the episode? I think I have a good okay. idea. You watch The Simpsons. I, I remember this episode. I just, I think it is. Monorail. Monorail. Yeah. monorail. <laughs> I think it is uh, Leonard Nimoy. But I just oh. want to make sure that I'm not confusing it with the episode with uh, Mr. Burns as the alien, where he comes in and he's just kind of like the the bumper person, and then he like quits in the middle of the show. Um, you would know better than I would. I, I I'm kind of familiar with this episode because I know Phil Hartman, I believe, is in it. But I think it's Leonard Nimoy. Okay, we can lock in with that because I think he says like I saved the day, but he really didn't do anything. <laughs> we'll we'll lock in with a famous director of Tom Selleck uh, in Three Men and a Baby. Amanda, what was yeah, your Yeah, it's it's Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, yeah, same. You're, you're right on the money. As soon and as you one said of the it, best it... parts of living in California is they do a live Simpsons concert, and Conan O'Brien comes and sings the monorail song that he wrote, and it is astoundingly amazing. That's great. So uh, William Shatner had already turned down the Simpsons. Previously, so they go to George Takai, who says, "Well, yeah, I'm I'm open to it, but man, this this episode seems really a, a, like anti-public transit. My, that's something I firmly believe in." So they go to the answer, Leonard Nimoy. Nice. Who makes Leonard Nimoy the third choice in anything? Well, George Takai is awesome. To be fair, <laughs> Ooh. and to be fair, he was probably on The Simpsons and Futurama like twenty different times. So, oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Oh my. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> and that's it. That's what all you, you got, know? right? <laughs> Question number 10. Like Jupiter, the moon is a celestial body. Moonraker, though, is a 1979 James Bond movie starring Roger Moore and a crass attempt to capitalize on the popularity of Star Wars. Which Pierce Brosnan Bond film began its life with a title that made sense within the context of a movie? of the movie, only for an executive to mishear it and change one word, thereby ruining the title. He did four or five? Four. 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 So I think it has to be this one, right? Because the other ones totally make sense within the context yeah, of the I, movie. I, I agree, because if you swap out that first word, I, I could see that being misheard. Okay, we are locked in. Okay, Amanda, so... I know there's four and I'm missing one. So I've got GoldenEye. I'm missing one too. Hopefully it's not the same. So we've, we've got both GoldenEye, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, the World is Not Enough. Yes. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. Those are the three I have. Okay. Yeah. What's that last one? 
I cannot think of it. I think we should go with Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Then we will go Tomorrow Never Dies. And I'm going to die when I hear what this fourth movie is. The fourth movie is Die Another Day, but we also thought it was Tomorrow Never Dies. Die? Is that a Madonna? Did Madonna so. do that one? I think one? you're right. Dang it. So this, this is a trivia fact that burns me for all time because the, the actual title is so much better and makes so much more sense. Jonathan Price is a Rupert Murdoch analog and his newspaper is called Tomorrow and he orchestrates world events so that his newspaper can predict world events and is therefore never wrong. The original title of the effing movie, Tomorrow Never Lies. Mm. Oh. And, and some, cool. some idiot executive says, oh, Tomorrow Never Dies. We're going with that. Uh, at the end of regulation, 115 points for the Goblet King and still well ahead in the lead, uh, 183 points for Kitty Stardust. My ass is very chapped from this spanking. <laughs> uh, right before we throw it to Will for our final round categories, uh, Jeff, we've been seeing uh, an overwhelming amount of support on Patreon, um, and uh, we're kind of on a road to hopefully 500 patrons this year. At least that's our goal. But do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how people can join uh, Amanda and Will over at Patreon? Absolutely. It's very simple if you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily and getting something in return for our infinite gratitude. Uh, you can join them at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. We have perks at every level. And uh, as we are now saying, a, uh, a Patreon a day keeps the doctor away, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how we'll get to 500. All right. Uh, well, Will, uh, what are our final round categories that we can wager on? Your categories today are The Rock, a uh -oh. question about famous rocks, Rowdy Roddy Piper, a question about a movie, Hulk Hogan, a question about television. John Cena, uh, a question about sports. And The Undertaker, a question actually about professional wrestling. Okay, with a strong lead uh, for Kitty Stardust, all the wagers are locked in. Let's get the questions. Your question about famous rocks. What's the name of The Rock? installed at Clemson University's football stadium that took its name from a former coach who said of it, quote, take this rock and throw it over the fence or out in the ditch. Do something with it, but get it out of my office. Hillbilly Elegy could direct the way. Your question about a movie. I was going to ask about They Live in South Park, but somebody beat, it, uh, beat me to it a few episodes ago. So how about this? In what film could you find both Keith David, Piper's They Live co-star, and Christopher McDonald, AKA Shooter McGavin. Your question on television. Hogan's Heroes starred Bob Crane, who knew a few things about sex tapes like Hulk Hogan, and Richard Dawson, who would go on to host Family Feud. Who are four of the five men who followed Dawson as the show's MC? And no, he doesn't count as one of the five. Your sports question. WWE chairman Vince McMahon has tried to promote John Cena as, quote, the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Which franchise was the last one to sign Ruth to a player contract, a club that generations later would have its own iconic sl uh, slugger? Mm. And finally, your question about professional wrestling. Mark Calloway's dead man, The Undertaker, held tag team titles a total of seven times during his WWE career, with three runs coming with Kane as the Brothers of Destruction. 
What other big man did Undertaker team with for two of his title reigns, the second most of his tag team title runs? For a special double your pleasure, double your fun, double or nothing degenerate gambler's challenge, what is that wrestler's real name? All right, with that spicy challenge, we will consider these answers and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All the answers are now locked in. Let's hear those questions and we'll give our answers. What's the name of the rock installed at Clemson University's football stadium that took its name from a former coach who said of it, take this rock and throw it over the fence or out in the ditch. Do something with it, but get it out of my office. Hillbilly Elegy could direct the way. Well, with that last hint, uh, we wagered a big 30 on this one, and we said Howard. Yep. Um, with 15 on the line, we also said Howard's Rock. Yeah, I was feeling charitable. I, I felt uh, you all might not know your college football, but yeah, it is Howard's Rock. Um, Clemson Stadium is known colloquially as, as Death Valley. The coach gets this rock from Death Valley. He's like, this is garbage. I hate it. Get it out of my office. They install it at the stadium, and now it is one of their beloved uh, football traditions. Everybody touches the rock as they run down into the stadium. That's so cool. I'm so glad, Jeff, you picked up on that direct clue. Excellent. I'm glad Very you knew cool. the director. That's more important. <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, a question about a movie. I was going to ask about they live in South Park, but somebody beat me to it a few episodes ago. So how about this? In what film could you find both Keith David, Piper's They Live co-star, and Christopher McDonald, a.k.a. Shooter McGavin? Me and uh, Neil were battling for about uh, 20 minutes in his kitchen trying to think of this answer, but we couldn't get to it. Yeah, we uh, we know Keith David's in the movie Crash. There's a million people in that movie. Perhaps Christopher McDonald has a small role. So he just sneaks into Crash, maybe. Yeah. Crash is a good thought there. Yeah. With the battle 
raged in in the studio as well. And I think we came up short. We just couldn't place them. I I mean, I was like, maybe Keith David uh, wrestles an alligator in Happy Gilmore, but we just didn't get (laughs) there. Keith David wrestles alligators. Well, I love that joke, but it looks like we're going to be losing 30 points. So the answer there is Keith David plays a pimp. Christopher McDonald plays a sleazy, uh, sleazy uh, television um, motivational speaker. Answer Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? No way. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh, right? man. Yeah. Holy crap. Hulk Hogan, a question about television. Hogan's heroes starred Bob Crane, who knew a few things about sex tapes, like Hulk Hogan, and Richard Dawson, who would go on to host Family Feud, who are four of the five men who have followed him as the show's host. And no, he doesn't count as one of the five. Uh, We got three, we're pretty sure. Uh, Louis Anderson, Steve Harvey, and um, the guy from Home Improvement, who we think his last name is Karn. And then we kind of hit a wall, and I thought maybe Richard Kind was another one of those. Uh, yeah, we wagered 20 on this one. Um, Amanda just kind of let me run with it. Family Feud is like a big thing for my family. Um, they're all much better at it than me. Um, I don't know why, but um, maybe because they understand Zeitgeist. Um, so we said uh, Richard Carn, Louis Anderson, John O'Hurley, and uh, the, the low-hanging fruit, Steve Harvey. So Points uh, for you guys. It uh, goes from Dawson to Ray Combs. Ray Combs. Uh, his story always makes me sad. Uh, and then back to Dawson for a year, then Louis Anderson, Richard Con- uh, Richard Carn, John O'Hurley, and Steve Harvey. Okay. Nice job, Jeff. Really good. John Cena, a question about sports. WWE chairman Vince McMahon has tried to promote John Cena as the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Which franchise was the last one to sign Ruth to a player contract, a club that, generations later, would have its own iconic slugger? Yeah, we wagered zero on this one, and uh, we were just thinking of clubs that had uh, pretty big sluggers like the Giants and whatnot, but we figured maybe because of the uh, untimely passing of uh, Hank Aaron, this was just uh, an insert uh, question here. So he said the Braves. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Mm, Very good, you guys. Very good. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, we wagered nothing on this, so nothing ventured, nothing gained, but also nothing lost. We said the Cardinals, so. Yeah. Um, I... Wrote up that question before Aaron's uh, unfortunate passing, but the answer is uh, the Braves, uh, who moved from Boston to Milwaukee to Atlanta. Boston Braves signed right. Ruth to his last player contract. Only played with them for a few months. It's always the one, the one that we don't wager on. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't wager on that either? No. No, no it's sports. It's not uh. there. It's Matt's strength. So. The Undertaker, a question actually about professional wrestling. Mark Calloway's dead man, The Undertaker. Held tag team titles a total of seven times during his WWE career, with three runs coming with Kane as the Brothers of Destruction. What other big man did Undertaker team with for two of his title reigns, the second most of his tag team title runs? For a special double your pleasure, double your fun, double or nothing degenerate gambler's challenge, what is that wrestler's real name? We wagered 30 points. Uh, I knew that one of his tag team partners was The Big Show. So the the clue was trying to figure out the Big Show's real name. Uh, And I remember on Netflix, they had a a sort of family sitcom uh, with him as the dad. And they, I think, credited him as Paul White. And I believe that's his name. So that's what we went with. Wow. Nice. Um, Well, we thought long and hard about this and thought really seriously that if his name was Kane, clearly his partner's name was Abel. 
and uh, that his real name then is Abel McAbelface. <laughs> oh, so close. So close. Uh, correct answer is there. Big Show and Paul White. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. And the final scores are in, and it was very close despite uh, one team losing the entire game. Team The Goblet King has 175 points, but today's cream of the crop with 188 points is Kitty Stardust. The cream of the crop. I would love to give a Paul Hollywood handshake to Amanda for the excellent job. Oh, and I will I will say you're an amazing teammate and um, any references to the great British Bake Off makes you gives you extra stars in my book. Well, Amanda, on that note, uh, great game. Thank you so much for joining us today. Anyone you'd like to give a shout out to or any last words? Um, yeah, first off, I mean, thank you for this show. And in a time when a lot is pretty bad you guys make something that is really good and i really really appreciate that um i'd love to get a shout out to my sister audrey who helped calm my nerves today and give me some practice trivia and my amazing trivia team the intentional fallacies out here in long beach awesome well thank you so much again for joining us uh and you're welcome back anytime and uh as we said earlier the peabody of podcast trivia will nevin our dutch enthusiast here uh will any last words uh after this wonderful game that you put together for us yeah, if anybody's interested in, in uh, reading about comic books, I cover uh, comics with a bunch of my friends at ComicsXF. You can find us on Twitter or at ComicsXF.com. And you can find me on Twitter if you want to harass me at, uh, at Will Nevin. Awesome. Well, uh, we had such a great time today. Uh, such a pleasure having both of you here. And also, thank you for your support on Patreon and for everyone else who supports us there. You can hit us up on social media at Triviality Pod or at The Crop or in our Discord. But for Amanda, Will, Jeff, Ken, Matt, who is still waiting at the Guinness factory outside in the rain, and myself, that was Triviality. Will might be the first winner of the P and Poo Body Awards. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those gems that I'm going to have to cut. I wish we could leave it in. I know. I wish we could, too. There's so much good stuff. Like 90% of my jokes are (laughs) jokes, so it's really hard to it's really hard to do a podcast where you can't do that sort of thing. I have a good good uh, bag of true crime jokes as well but i i don't want to come off as yeah, like some too creep. dark yeah yeah <laughs> but i'll just i'll just pull my skin back and uh, continue oh, God. Yeah. <laughs>